right, good morning to you. For those of you that are joining us online, greetings. My name is Doug Baker. This is Jen Bachheisen. She is our spiritual formation director. And uh, today we get to do something a little bit different. And uh, I don't know, I've been having a lot of fun. Although uh, the chairs in the gym, not very comfortable. Not as comfortable as these. These I mean, are these awesome. These are like a big warm hug. I know. If only I had like a footstool or something to I've put my... I have one. You want to borrow my trunk? Put it up here thinking I, I wasn't going to reach my chair apparently. So... <laughs> I uh, have one if you need one. Actually, I was thinking more like it would be really cool if I had one of those, you know, they just flip this. Boom. Recliner, we put a fireplace right I here. know. Although, really now to be honest, uh, because I have a bit of a uh, spastic side when I'm preaching, you're going to see a lot of hand movements because I can't walk around. <laughs> That's what's been going on. I've been, I know, right? <laughs> You've seen it. You've wondered what's wrong with me. I was a little I'm not worried. having a seizure. It's okay. <laughs> Uh, today, this morning, is kickoff Sunday, and uh, that means that it's the beginning of all the cool fall stuff that we have going on here, uh, and you're going to see a lot of the stuff that you're used to, uh, the programming and, and opportunities. Uh, these are, this, is, this is how we do stuff, but we wanted to do something a little unique today because there's also something unique happening, and part of why this unique thing is happening is because we want to live into the true things that we're going to be talking about from God's word today. As a church, we, we need to be obediently following the, uh, the portrait of what it means to be God's people. Um, and we want to start doing that as a church. We want to keep doing that as a church. We want to make sure that we're, we're pouring into new opportunities to do that as a church. And what I'm thinking about talking about specifically is what's coming up on Wednesday night. You've been hearing about it and hearing about it. We call it Gather at Community. And it is a mixture of all that you've already known for Wednesday nights and more. There's something, and there's a reason behind the more. Yes, we're going to have food together. Five o'clock, we're still going to have food. Maybe not always pizza, but food. Correct. Kyle's yeah. team is going to be cooking as oh, well yeah. as having pizza. So, and he usually just cooks with red meat. So if that is your thing. If you like sizzle, it's going to be here. Yeah. Now that's something you've always been able to count on. And then later on in the evening, uh, 45 minutes a time of, of you know, learning, uh, there'll be a facilitator, a chance to, to hang out together and unpack what God is saying. But sandwiched in the middle is something new. Uh, we're going to gather in worship, and it is worship led by uh, new up-and-coming leaders, worship in which we get to pour out into each other and bless one another to grow in what it means to be the church together. It's, it's meant to be experiential. It's meant to be involving of the congregation. It's meant to be more, um, and, and that's what we're trying, trying to do, this, this new thing. Um, the idea being that we're not just gathering as the church, we're gathering to be the church together. And so because this new, new unique thing is happening, we thought we would have a time together up here kind of co-preaching this new unique opportunity for Jen as well. Um, and uh, we're going to talk about the philosophy, the, the theology behind why this is so important. So thank you so much, Jen, for being up here with me and putting yourself through this with me. 
Yeah, well, don't think of me yet. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Actually, I'm grieving for you. Trent's had to co-preach with me. I know. <laughs> we're, 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 we're doing it. We're going to get it. Yeah, yeah no, it's so. great. Uh, so yeah, the last, uh, this is the last week in our sermon series of Life in Community. So we've been looking at what it means for the church to be in relationship with the community outside of these walls, with each other, all of that. And two weeks ago, um, Trent preached on how impactful the church has been throughout history. Mm -hmm. The things that they did when they were being the church intentionally, they were being missional. I learned a few things. If you guys did not listen to that message a couple weeks ago, highly recommend you go back yeah. and you do that. You can find it on YouTube, on our website. Uh, I was on vacation. I got the chance to, to check, it, uh, check in on it. And, and I learned, dude, I learned a lot. So uh, it's, it's good to go back and be reminded life in community yeah. yeah, good stuff. And then last week, Pastor Trent talked about community reformed church specifically being the church in the community around us, really asking that difficult question. If this church ceased to exist, if we had to shut down our doors, would the Holland and Zealand area know? Would they grieve the loss of this church? Would it have an impact at all? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I would like to think it would. I would too. Well, I mean, just Thursday night, I mean, we had... 220 some different families come our cars come through people that we serve families we served with food just food it's amazing um, yeah so today we're going to continue on in this uh, in this same vein we're going to be wrapping things up and we're going to be asking that exact same question the one you just asked if if suddenly disappeared but we want to focus in life in community and what it means to be the community of faith together, sharing life together with the people in this room, with the people of this church, asking again that same question. If you were to suddenly just disappear, would anyone at this church notice? Would the ministry of this church suffer because of your absence? Um, because if not, we have to ask the question about how we're pouring into the life of this church. Are we living in community? The Bible is very clear on what it means to be the body of Christ. I mean, Paul articulates it very well, you know, one body, many parts. And so my mind goes to like, let's, let's just try and think of an example. So I imagine myself, you know, trotting down the road, do, 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 you know, I'm enjoying a nice, good, brisk walk. And, and if my knee, poof, suddenly disappeared, do you think I would notice? I mean, I, I think, I, I feel like I would, but I would also gracefully roll out of that probably <laughs> better than you. But yeah, I think I would probably notice if my knee just Jen, like Jen has a background in gymnastics, so I don't, Jen. this morning. I know you don't. I would do this. You would. Yeah. It'd be yeah. one of those funny YouTube videos. I would probably get a lot of hits. <laughs> I know. I would be famous. plants right in the ground. That's right. What happened to his knee? We don't know. I know. So... That's the question we're asking. If you would suddenly disappear, would this church be impacted? Yeah, and there's many verses throughout Scripture that tell us how to be church people together. And much of Paul's direction when he's writing this is direction towards brothers and sisters in community at church. So it oh, yeah. really, it starts with us. It starts right here. So today we're looking at two different scripture passages. The first one is in James, and it's more of a conceptual picture mm. of what the early church looks like. And then you're going to be talking about more of a practical scripture. I like practical. Yeah. It's good. So we're, we're starting in James, and you're going to notice in James there's some very immediate 
like pointed things that the church did and they're they're going to be a little bit shocking notice them but more importantly notice how they did those things hmm. not specifically what they were doing so we're going to look in james we're going to start in chapter 5 verse 13 is any one of you in trouble he should pray is anyone happy let him sing songs of praise is any one of you sick he should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. We're going to jump to verse 19. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Mm. So he's really giving us a beautiful picture of what the early church yeah. did together. And I like that you see that repetition in there, together, together. It's now, a word, yeah. Is it? Yeah. And I was looking over a commentary about this passage, and I found it pretty interesting, and I thought we should share it this morning. It identified some key characteristics of the early church, some things that they, they did, and they were a singing church. So they would have this, all this joy in their heart, and they couldn't contain it. They would, they would walk up to each other, and they would speak to each other in psalms, and they would sing to each other. Really? Yeah. Oh, like you're saying maybe we should be doing that. I don't know. We could start that next week and see what happens. But How are you doing today? <laughs> maybe not. I'm fine. <laughs> Moving on. Okay, okay. We'll go on to the next part. They were sure. also a healing church. Okay. And so this was something that was actually carried over from Judaism and the early Christians, they still practiced this. So instead of going to the doctor, they would go to the church and they would have the rabbi pray for them and anoint them with oil. It's just what they did. Sure. They were also a praying church and they believed in confession. They really lived into this, this commandment, love God, love your neighbor. And they felt that any unconfessed sin was going to get in the way of that. It was going to be a barricade between their relationship with God and their relationship with the community that they were in. So it was more effective if they confessed their sins to God and to man, especially if they had wronged a person. So th this is, so James here, I mean, we could get lost in the specifics and say, okay, this must be the things that we, exactly the things we're supposed to do. But really, this is more of a, of a get the feeling of how people shared life together, invested in each other, were an integral part of each other's lives. This is what it means to be church. How are you integrally? I know what you mean. I thank know, you. I thank know, you. Yeah. I don't even know if that's a word. Um, Sounds good. <laughs> intertwine how are your lives intertwined with each other is really kind of this concept coming out of james here yeah it's, it's very different than what we're used to i mean if we oh, yeah. took five minutes to just pause the service this morning and said hey turn to the person sitting next to you even if you don't know them and tell them how you've sinned this week confess to them <laughs> yeah. nervous, nervous laughter. <laughs> a few of you, like your eyes got really, Whoa. really big. I, that, that might not be a very popular thing to do think, in today's culture. I think Mo would have all the volunteers. <laughs> she, she, they would just, yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm gonna I still go. want to go to community, but I don't want to be in that room. Yeah, I'm going to go hold a baby instead. 
Yeah, so very, very different yeah. than what we're used to. And I actually came across some interesting statistics. Um, it was a survey done by Barna, mm. and it said that 56% of people feel that their faith is private. They don't share it with other people, which means that their, their belief system, which should be impacting how they're living their life, is not something that they're talking about, which so, begs the question, are their actions reflecting that? So just, just over half of people of faith don't believe that it's something worth sharing with others. Correct. Okay. And 44% of people lack significant relationships. So just under half of all people don't have someone in their life they feel like they can trust. It's a staggering thought to see how far we've moved away from the early church. The culture is so different now. Well, and not just how the early church lived, but how the Bible portrays life in Christ together. I think, I think it would be easy to say, well, of course that's what the Bible would say because that's what life was like back then. But maybe life was like it back then because that's what the Bible said. And what we've done is as culture, as a society, is we've moved away from the things that the Bible says are the valuable part of being in relationship with each other. And we've, we've consumerized and commodified life to the point, where, and, and, and we get this c continually from our society, right? Pull yourself up by your bootstraps, and, and you need to be able to handle everything on your own, and, and how, how many times do you drive past somebody on the side of the road? They're obviously having problems, but this is the first thought in my mind. Yeah, everybody's got a cell phone, so I'm sure they're fine. We just don't think about we just don't think about our life being a necessary part of other people's lives. We, we get to have our preferences and we get to have life the way we want it and, and if something doesn't fit the way we want it, we pick something else. I mean, I drive past four grocery stores to go to the grocery store I want. I go to a doctor two towns over because I don't really like the name of the doctor in the town I have. And, um, and we'd start doing that with church too We'll drive past five churches to go to the church we want, but we commodify it. It's the place of religious goods and services. It's, it's where I have to go to get baptism. It's where I have to go to, you know, I have my religious ideologies affirmed. Uh, and then all it really, and it's a great place for, it's got the Sunday school program I want or the, to the ministry program I want for my kids. Uh, and all it costs me is an hour a week and a little bit of money in the offering plate. Yeah, and that was really the dream behind Gather. Yeah. We've talked quite a bit. To move away from that. To move away, yeah, not okay. living into that. <laughs> We've talked quite a bit about how it is really living out our um, leadership development piece at Community. We believe strongly in that, because if we're not producing leaders, right, eventually who's gonna be leading anything yeah. is what, what we're supposed to be doing. So yes, it is giving young leaders an opportunity to learn how to facilitate community groups to learn how to speak and prepare a message, but then to also lead worship. Mm. It's beautiful, but the vision has always been twofold. And that second piece is that this intentional time on Wednesday night is for all of you. It's for us. It's for us to stop in the middle of our week because the noise outside of this place is loud and it is busy and it is crazy and we're going to gather together, we're going to quiet our minds, and we're going to be church. We're going to carry one another's burdens. We're going to share our highs. We're going to share stuff that is hard. We're going to do all of that together. Pour, pour into one another. 
um, the way that Scripture is, is challenging us to. Yeah. Because, I mean, ultimately, the choice we make has to, it, the choice in front of us is one of either follow the culture we live in or go against the culture we live in, choosing instead the culture that Scripture is laying out in front of us. And that might be frightening, and we might be like, I don't know if I can do that, and what does that look like? And, but we all know what it actually looks like, because when you come to church, we know people who live it. We see them, we're drawn to them, we want to be around them, we, we adore them. Uh, I'm, reminded of, of, uh, <laughs> I'm reminded of this little old lady from my first church. Um, I mean, and a little old lady, I mean, she was like, you know, four foot ten, and the, she was the skinniest, thinnest little, like, she would like, no, Pastor Doug, and she would hug me, and I would be like, I don't want to break you. <laughs> um, and she was just tiny, but she was this light of Jesus, and people, every time we had an event and Gert was there, her name was Gert, isn't that great? Gert, he's like 90 years old, and you just wanted to be next to Gert, and you wanted to talk with her, and, and she's encouraging and kind and gracious. And, and when, when she died, our church grieved because suddenly there was this vital missing piece. Um, we know what it looks like. I, I, know, I know people in this church. I know people in this church. I'm going to look at them right now who are spectacular at connecting and being the body of Jesus, who exude just grace. And we know them. We, when they walk in, I'm just like, I, I want to go talk to that person, you know? Um, why isn't that all of us? That's a good question. That's a pokey question. That's a pokey question, yeah. But this is a sermon, and this is the time to ask pokey questions. It is. So here's this picture being painted. The Bible says this is important. Um, how do we do it? And that's where we get to that second passage we're talking about, the one from uh, the Gospel of John. And, uh, and Jesus Jesus offers us an example. He offers his disciples an example because he wants them to understand what it is that he wants for them when it comes to serving each other and being present in each other's lives. And uh, he, he takes this action, and it is a deeply countercultural action that he takes in this passage. Um, but it's one that was necessary. He wanted them to understand what it is life together in community is. So listen to this. This is from God's Word, John chapter 13. Um, and uh, actually, I'll start at verse 3. I'll jump over 6 through 11, and we'll start then back in at uh, verse 12. So Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So this is deeply countercultural because this was an activity of a servant. This is, he was the leader. This is not what a leader did. And he was saying to them, think differently. Verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put it on his clothes and he returned to his place. 
And he asked them, do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. But now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I have given you an example. So don't get lost in the foot washing thing. Foot washing is fine. I mean, it's a great expression of service, but don't get washed in that. This isn't a, mand- a mandatory declaration from Jesus that we need to go running around to people and go, can I wash your feet? Can I wash your feet? Or do you have clean feet? This is a culturally pertinent example of how to serve. And it is a challenge to us to ask that same question. How can I serve my brothers and sisters around me? How can I pour into their lives? How can I represent as Jesus was? How can I live this example so that others can see through me, Jesus Christ, and what it means to serve? Because it is a deeply engaged, like it is, the world sees this kind of activity amongst God's people, and it is drawn to it. It becomes an attractional community for them. They know Huge. they're missing something, and they're like, I think I need that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we see churches where we people do. are crabby at each other. Yeah. Who wants to be a part of that? We see places where people pour into each other and love each other, as Jesus did, as, Jesus, as the incarnation represents. And it is a compelling draw. Yeah, last year, I don't know if you guys remember this, but we went through a sermon series called Organic Disciples by Kevin and Sherry Harney. It was, it was amazing. We had some discipleship classes about it, but real quick, they, they identified seven markers of spiritual growth, seven areas of your life that said, if you, are, if you are growing in your journey with the Lord, you're gonna see change and transformation in these specific areas. And much to my disappointment, consistent community was one of them. Because I don't know if you know this, most of your staff is actually introverted. Far more than you realize. You more, I mean, like, I'm driving in the garage door, the car's still moving, and, or the gra- and the door's coming down. Like, I don't even have the car in park yet. Just <laughs> hermit, really. It, it would be super tempting to, to just want to hole up and, and seclude and... Yeah, yeah. that pops up and you go, okay, we got to pay attention to that. Yeah. So they hit us with some truth with that. And, and this idea, we can't argue the fact, we all know that we're created in the image of God. We know this. And God is consistently in community all the time. He is the perfect trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and we have the Holy Spirit. It's, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. He doesn't need anything. Yet the God who didn't need anything chooses to pursue a relationship to be in community with each of us. It's that important. It is that, it is that important. So as image bearers of Christ, we should then be living in community. And if we're living in community well, the broken world around us is gonna see that we can love each other well. We can forgive each other well. We can have conversation in in unity through disagreement. We can do that really, really well. We can serve each other well. I mean, the list goes, the list goes on and on and it's different than what you see outside of these walls. It's the picture painted by scripture, by God's word, 
by what Jesus did of who we're supposed to be as the church. Yeah. Yeah. But we'd also know that there's some very realistic hurdles. Well, things get in the way. Yeah. There's, there's quite a few. I actually made a list, and I okay. thought it's important to touch on those this morning. We're just going to call them out and name them. And the first one is when you think about getting into community, some of these things might pop up. One is just social anxiety. Hmm. I mean, it is a real, real thing. We've probably mentioned a few trigger words for some of you hmm. this morning. People. <laughs> talking to people. More people. Confessing to people. Confessing to people. Yeah. Eat with people. Then I got to engage. I don't want to do that. No hmm. thanks. It's a real thing. It produces a lot of angst inside of you, and I totally recognize that. And we are in a culture that celebrates introversion. Mm -hmm. I mean, you see it out there. You touched on that a little bit, but you know, be by yourself. Take care of yourself. You yeah. taking care of you is the most important thing. Self-care. Go for your best life now. Go for it. Yeah. And, we, and we, we laugh at and we exclude ourselves from groups of people. You see it on t-shirts and, and mugs, and I, I admit I've laughed at them because I thought they're very relatable. Few of them I've seen, you can get a mug that says, ew, people. <laughs> I, mean, that's, I mean, if you're walking around drinking out of that, that really sends a message to those around you. Like, don't bother me, don't talk to me. I'm already annoyed with you, Right. go away. You get the t-shirt on that says, I'm not going outside, it's too people yeah, out there. there's too many people outside. <laughs> yeah, right. Why go out there and you're gonna have to deal with them? There's just not even one person in particular, it's just the idea of interacting with another person and what that can mean. When you laugh about it, it kind of normalizes it. It makes it seem it like this is actually, this is actually yeah. the way things are supposed to be. And, and personally, the problem that I saw in my own life with, with that is that it, it takes root in your heart, hmm. and then it's instinctually how you react to going and doing things with people. Which but, is not how God wants you to think of his people. It is not how we should be thinking of his people. Right. Another hurdle, okay. technology. Oh, yeah. We replace face-to-face -face conversations with people with our phones. In fact, we've gotten so good at communicating without being face-to-face. -face. There are people that will go through the drive-through and are nervous to order their food because they have to talk to somebody. We just, we don't know how to do it anymore. We I, don't have to do it anymore. I got it. I honestly, I'm, I've started using the app to go through the drive-through now. All I have to say then is, Mobile order, YKZ4. And they're like, okay, that's it. It's well, all maybe, paid for. It's maybe all. this part will convict you then to I think so. go inside and order your food from now on. You know what? McDonald's, here I come. There you go. <laughs> and then there's a very real hurdle, too. Which is, I'm just plain too busy. I'm already doing so many good things, and I'm listening to you talk this morning, and now I gotta go, and I gotta make more time in my life for this other thing that I agree with you is very, very good, mm -hmm. but I'm already doing really, really good things sure. in my life, and now I, gotta, now I gotta add something more. And then, of course, we have to mention that there's always a risk when you choose to engage in community with people. There can be pain involved with that. We recognize that. We've probably all experienced that, because sometimes, as God's people, we're not very good at acting like God's people. I have said rough things in the past. As I have yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. So we have this constant tug of war in our life, right? We, we see what Scripture's saying, we believe it, but then we have these very real hurdles. We have the scriptural truth and we have our truth. Mm-hmm. 
Which one are we choosing? Well, you got to put them next to each other. You do. Right? Yeah. My you got to put them next to each other. And you feel like as you get a little bit older, you realize maybe I'm getting a little wiser and I realize that my truth, if it's not lining up with God's truth for me, I can't really change his truth mm. to fit my life. I need to do the work and go, what, what do I need to do here? I'm the one that needs to transform. Yeah, I am not living into how he created me to be then if I am letting all of this keep me from yeah. being a part of what he has designed for me. Yeah. So what, uh, what can we do? How do we do that today? I like practical things. Okay. And thanks to the Harneys, they give us one. They call one out that is in scripture. So it's been there. It's just, are we, are we using that? They call it the 222 model from 2 Timothy 2, verse 2. Oh, Trent talked about that last week. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. It's a beautiful picture of the four generation of faith happening at all times. So real quick, I need someone to pour into my life. I need a mentor, someone mm. who's further along on the spiritual journey than I am. Not necessarily someone who's older than you because we all come to, to know Christ at different times in our life, but someone who's further in their journey that can speak truth into my life and help me. I, we can do life together. Where's, what's a relationship in my life where I can learn from someone? Correct. Okay. Secondly, okay. I'm responsible for my own faith development as well. And I need to put that in play by serving. I need to put that in play by learning and engaging so and we growing. Have, we have to own our own growth. There's some who some can pour into me and, there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then thirdly, we're grabbing the hand of someone that is not as far along on their faith journey. We're getting that opportunity to mentor someone else as well. So who can I pour into? Yes. Okay. And then the fourth generation you see is that person that you're pouring into is also pouring into someone else who is not as far along in their faith journey. So it's, it's a beautiful picture. Yeah. And the church is continuing to grow and it's moving. Otherwise, we're all gonna age out. And if we're not, if we're not taking part of that picture of community, then where is the church gonna be at? It's an investment in the future. It's a generational blessing. And it, to choose to be a part of it is yeah. to choose to walk in a way that is illustrated by what God's word says to us. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. That's very practical. It's very practical. Which it means seems daunting. Is that like, do we have to like just go all like big steps and all in and right. We are not leaving this room until everybody has a mentor and they're mentoring someone this morning. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That sounds threatening. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> this church is, I mean, sin confessing, we're going to be foot washing and then we're just going to be all about everything in everyone's life. Oh dude. I think that's, she's speaking policy. That's not, that's not what's no, going to no, happen. No, 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 no. How no. about little steps, right? Little practical steps because you can't leave the couch if you've never run before and go run a marathon. And that's yeah. the same for your own spiritual your own spiritual health. You have to start small. Okay. And I think the first step is really responding to the invitation of the relationship Jesus has for you with him. Mm -hmm. He's pursuing you. How are you responding to that? And then this is another piece of what Wednesday night's about. Absolutely. It is a nice, it is an accessible small step to start retraining what you expect from our, what we expect from ourselves Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to being in relationship, life in community, sharing life together, being the church, not just coming to church. Right. You're yeah. living that out. Exactly. I think that's yeah. a great 
great uh, yeah. plan opportunity. Yeah, what's one small thing that you can do today that you have not been doing? Mm -hmm. Just just one one small step one that you can do. Yep. Yeah, that's going to move you into living fully into who God has designed you to be. Because yeah. when we let go of the things that we think are good, more chances than not, he's got great things mm. planned for us. We're just getting in our own way. We're, yeah, you said it very well. Thank you. Good. Should we pray? Yep. All right. God, thank you so much that we could all be together this morning. In your, in your community, Lord. We thank you for your continual pursuit of us, that you love us so fiercely. Lord, I pray this morning that we hear your words for us, that we sit in your goodness, that we begin to trust you more and learn more about ourselves from what you have to say about it. Lord, I pray that you help us shut out the music that is loud and not from you, that, that busy noise that we listen to more than we listen to who you are. Lord, we thank you for our time together this morning. We thank you for your grace and your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen.